What's going on, everybody? Zach Rosenblatt here with Mike Kay for the latest episode of the No Huddle Show. We're here at Novacare Complex. There's some news to actually talk about now beyond the games coming up. Uh, the Eagles suffered their first major injury of the season. They can't go more than one week without it happening. Uh, it's unfortunate to who it's happening to. It's Malik Jackson. He suffered a Liz Frank injury to his foot. He's almost definitely going to be out for the season. Um, you know, it's t- he. They signed him to be like the best defensive tackle that Fletcher Cox has ever played with. Played with in theory, it was kind of a journey to a comeback for him after he had a bad year with the Jag- Jaguars last year. They signed him to a three-year deal, and he'll be back here next year. They can't really afford to cut him based on the way the contract is structured. But um, and they and they also they signed Akeem Spence from the Miami Dolphins. But what, what, what was you obviously are have a little more connection to Malik. But what was your reaction when you when you saw how's he? Because we we talked after the game how it was one of those things again where it's like he seems okay in the locker room, but clearly yeah he was fine. He or he wasn't fine, but yeah. he he acted like he was fine and didn't really. Seemed, it sounded like he knew that it was bad too. Mike, Mike Garofolo reported that he like walked out in the locker room to tell his teammate about it or something. Yeah, Derek Gunn asked him what the injury was, and he was basically like, "It's football. It's an injury." Um, but he stood there and he took the questions, and uh, I could tell something. Like, he, he was just being very guarded with the, and, you know, the way the Eagles handle things with injuries, you're typically guarded anyway. It's possible they told him not to say anything, yeah. Yeah, um, which is what I assume. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's tough for him because I know him pretty well, and I know this was like a year for him that he really just wanted to show, hey, I'm, I'm the guy. Uh, even before he signed here, I made the connection to Philly because I thought he made a ton of sense. Um, I mean, I, I remember he told you in the preseason that he wanted to play in the preseason in part to like prove that you know he could, he belonged among these guys or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think he was very humbled by what happened in Jacksonville last year. He was thrilled to not have to be the guy here, and I mean, it's it's unfortunate. You know, he's a guy that has been very complimentary of his teammates. He loves being around this defensive line group. He really respects Fletcher Cox. He was looking forward to kind of having a career resurgence here, and. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate. I mean, but he'll bounce back or he'll come back and, and try to make the most of it. And I'm sure that his contract will probably be renegotiated based on the injury and missing this year. But um, he'll be back here next year. Yeah, yeah, he'll be back. And I think, especially with Timmy Jernigan being on a one-year deal, and now yeah. he's now he's, he's going to have a prove-it season now yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. So, I mean, with that said, though, I think – People are discounting Timmy Jernigan a little bit. Yeah, they brought him in on a cheap deal, but throughout the training camp and in the preseason, I thought he was probably their most overachieving defensive tackle. He played very, very well. Um, and so he'll just fill the spot. He's actually more of a natural number two to Fletcher Cox anyway because he can play one technique and he can play the run really well while Fletcher rushes the passer and plays three technique because Malik's also a three technique. So they were going to have to move him and Fletcher around. Malik wasn't used to playing one technique, which, you know, basically a nose tackle on a four, three defense if that helps you. But, um, you know, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how they, they respond to this because like last year, you don't have like a true pass rusher next to Fletcher Cox. Yeah. I think so that, so you were saying how Jernigan is like technically a better fit, but I think, Part of the reason why they wanted Jackson in the first place because they wanted to be able to not have to change everything up on that D line on pass rushing downs, right? Where they because Jernigan's not really a pass rusher. He had a sack and it was one of the more important plays. We talked about it a lot after the game, mm-hmm. and guys have talked about it this week since then. But um, part of the appeal of bringing Malik and they even talked about this is that they wouldn't have to put Brandon Graham on the inside or Vinnie Curry or Barnett or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have Michael Bennett anymore, who was pretty good at that. 
And that, so now all of a sudden you're back to the situation they were in last year. And they didn't do it as much last year, but the year before, they especially were putting Brandon Graham inside. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had he had one was better. He had his best sack season, actually, when he was doing that, which he had, he had his worst sack season. One of his worst last year when he laid four. Mm-hmm. But it, it's just going to be interesting to see how they play this out. Um, another another benefit of having Jackson was that Cox maybe wouldn't have had to play 100% of the snaps, right. maybe even give him five snaps off. And you can't really do that now. Because Jernigan is not the type that can like anchor the defensive line, and I will say Hassan Ridgeway, I know they really like a lot, and he played about as much as Jernigan in Week One, which is at least interesting. So I, I wouldn't discount, the, I wouldn't say Jernigan's going to get every single snap in that second defensive tackle spot. I think it, it might be a pretty even split between him and Ridgeway. Well, I mean, and we should say Fletcher Cox doesn't play 100 percent of the snaps anyway in that yeah. rotation, but. He's going to take on the majority of the snaps as he always does. Like last year, he played seventy three percent of the snaps. Um, yeah, Hassan Ridgeway is a guy that I like. I've liked since he was a, a prospect at Texas. Um, they feel really good about him. He's an upgrade over Haloti Nana last year. <laughs> like he's an upgrade over Trayvon Hester. I'll right? say they could really use Hester right now, though. <laughs> right, right, correct. Um, but they they had to cut him. So yeah. So what I'll say is this. Doug Peterson this morning said that Akeem Spence is going to play some really strong minutes. Yeah, I've never heard minutes before yeah, with it, football. It, it was a weird... <laughs> it's like a basketball yeah, phrase. Right. <laughs> As the fourth defensive tackle. Yeah. That he made that like declaring it is interesting yeah. clear, which is something that he does not do, which I think is interesting. Akeem Spence, obviously... Um, so he was cut by the Dolphins. Which isn't, isn't, in a great, isn't a great sign. <laughs> well, you know, it's a new regime, so you got to kind of get I at guess, that. Yeah. <laughs> um, they've kind of they've been following. I mentioned this before. He signed. He was a good fit because he fit into the Joe Douglas philosophy of that like circle of trust and, and being a guy that had some familiarity with the coaching staff. Matt Burke, who's the special assistant to defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz, was his defensive coordinator in Miami. Um, you know, Spence is well-traveled. He's played for Tampa Bay. He's played for Detroit. He's played for Miami. Um, but, you know, he was relatively productive last year. He had 32 uh, uh, pressures last year, according to Pro Football Focus, I believe. Yeah, and 32 pressures. He had 42 tackles, two sacks, and uh, 32 pressures. Yeah, he's not the pass. Just didn't grade out that greatly, but you don't need a star as your fourth defensive tackle. So. Right. I think he's a thought, veteran. I think the thought process here should be like, hey, they've got a guy who's got a ton of starting experience, and he's going to be the fourth guy. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. think that's the the takeaway there. But I, I'm telling you, they're. I think they're really excited about Hassan Ridgeway. They've been praising him since he got here. Uh, Jim Schwartz isn't a guy that really singles guys out. Like, if you ask him, hey, who stood out here? If you ask about a specific guy, he won't say Yeah, and he'll name, like, 45 guys at once. Uh, (laughs) But he has gone out of his way to praise him. Um, And he looked good. I I rewatched the game yesterday. I thought Hassan got some pretty good pressure uh, throughout his his performance. Um, and, And, again, I think... Him being your third defensive tackle, you could do much, much worse. The Eagles came into this season with the best defensive tackle rotation in the league. I still think they have probably one of the top ten defensive tackle rotations in the league. Obviously, oh, yeah. obviously, when, when Fletcher Cox is in it, right? Like just there, you do. But yeah, well, last year was pretty. But yeah, I mean, I mean, you brought this up, like the fact that they were able to get Tim. Like they should be thankful that almost not, not that Jernigan had the injury that he had, but that he had no market because. He's kind of, it's not saving their season, but he's helping them quite a bit right now. And that man is motivated. Yeah. Something I'll also give you from the locker room. uh, 
we were all waiting to talk to Timmy Jernigan, and Jernigan was taking his time. I think he, after the game, you mean? Yeah, I think he knew Malik had an injury and didn't want to kind of bask in the. I mean, he, I, don't, I don't know about that because he doesn't really like talking to us in general. So well, but we were talking to Malik about the sack, and yeah. he Timmy kind of just like walked away right after that. Yeah, I think he. I still lean towards him just not wanting to talk to us in general, though. <laughs> maybe I mean, but I also think he probably knew about the injury. Yeah, maybe. Um, uh. But yeah, so Hassan Ridgeway. So I, I was going to say, um, th- I think this makes the importance of uh, Vinny Curry having a bounce back season even more important now because he's going to sure. probably he's probably going to play more than he would have. I forget what his snap numbers were for Sunday, but he was he was a heavy part of the rotation for sure. Um, mm-hmm. he, he had a bad year in Tampa last year, and that's why he's back here. They cut him. He had a weird white hairdo in the in the locker room. I tweeted a photo of it. it uh, what was weird I, about it, Zach? <laughs> I said it looked like he had a fox on his head, and like the tail was just sticking out. Someone said Pomeranian, and there's a lot of like funny gifts getting tweeted at me. It was it was in, it was a choice, is what I'll say. He normally has the cornrows, and he I guess he just let it out. I don't know if that's his permanent hairdo or whatever, but <laughs> but he, he's he's a character anyway, and he you know he's he he had a pretty good training camp, I thought. Um, but they need—they really need him to step up now. Yeah, for sure. I—I I, I mean, his big play against Washington, he had a, a really impressive run stop. Um, the play went for one yard, but he—he he surged and, and got through kind of the trenches, and, and I think it was Darius guys that he dropped. But um, Schwartz is pretty complimentary of his contribution to the Jernigan sack too. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It was a stunt, and. Curry brought the pressure and allowed Jernigan to get free. Jernigan actually beat two, two linemen and got the sack. But, um, yeah, I think Vinny Curry is very important to this team moving forward, um, especially with Jackson out. Because if you're going to manufacture sacks now because you don't have a guy who can win one-on-one, Curry's going to be – you're going to have to use Curry as kind of like a rover and you're going to have to move him around and – what have you. Um, but he's motivated too. I think like that's the big key here is he and Jernigan are very motivated. They, they're they coming off terrible seasons. They have one-year deals. They want to make the most of it. They want to expand their career. They don't want to be role players for very long. And I think, again, if you look at it, the starting Super Bowl defensive tackles are the starting I know, it's defensive wild. tackles right now. Like So, you know, and... I mean, they have the majority of the group from the Super Bowl front. Hey, Chris, Chris Long is just hanging out there doing podcasts with Ryan Rosillo. Uh. <laughs> Who, by the way, apparently, according to Doug Peterson, they were not interested in Yeah, because they were just looking at defensive tackles. Right. Um, I think it, everybody's going to go to Chris Long immediately every time there's an injury in that line, but I, at this, he doesn't seem like someone who wants to play any more football. Yeah, I think he's... I think that's how Which is fine. I mean, he had a great career. Um, yeah. Uh, just stay on the defensive line for a second. Were you surprised that... Uh, Deshaun Hall was inactive on Sunday? A little. A little. Does it seem like... So clearly, the I mean, preseason doesn't matter as much as we... I mean, we, we both have said it doesn't, but like he was the best player out there, and Josh Sweat didn't really do anything, and he was the fourth guy. So I think from a numbers standpoint, they wanted... I mean, you, you got to look at it, too. Like, who else were you going to make inactive, I guess? Maybe they felt like TJ... You know, because Zach Brown doesn't play special teams, typically, so... Maybe you want T.J. Edwards to fill that spot at linebacker. I I, I don't know. I I mean, I I can't criticize them for it, but I was a little surprised. I know, just, just yeah. surprising. I want. So he, do you think he's active on Sunday night? Um, 
Because it sounded like he, Spence is going to be active. Right it depends away, so. on what they do with that 53rd spot that's open. Oh, true, because they cut Alex Ellis, yeah. Yeah, it depends on that. And I would keep an eye on the secondary for that one. They'll probably make the move. For the so do you think they're just going to run with two tight ends this season? They, they did play, Andre Dillard, I believe, played four or five snaps as the in-line blocker. I think they're going to look at like what they have and what injuries they have. and, and, and it, it, might be, it might be a shuffle back and forth with Perkins and Ellis, too. Yeah, of. there's a thing, too. So let's talk about that really quick. Yeah. Um, the Patriots used to do this with Nate Ebner, who was a safety. They would cut him, put him on the practice squad, bring him back. So they basically had a 54th roster spot. So you could fill it with another practice guy and, and kind of move guys around. The Eagles aren't worried about somebody claiming Alex Ellis. And the thing is, too, is they've got insurance for that, too, because they also have Josh Perkins on the practice squad as well. Yeah. So what they can do is, and I wrote about this last week uh, before they even cut Alex Ellis or brought him up, they can view that as like a situational 53rd spot. If they need a corner, they can call a guy up from the practice squad. There's Craig James on there. Um, you know, if they need a running back, Boston Scott, you know what I mean? So they're, they're using that as a utility spot and keep in mind. So a lot of people have asked me this question. When you sign somebody off an external practice squad, you owe them three weeks of salary, regardless of if you cut them or not. It, it, it prevents teams from just claiming guys and cutting them. Well, yeah, it's it from like a strategic standpoint. Like if you were playing the Vikings and you got a guy off the Vikings practice squad. And, but if you sign a guy internally from a practice squad, you don't owe... Yeah. There's, no, there's no strings attached. Which so, is why you see the back and forth a lot. Right. So this could be something that happens throughout the season with Alex Ellis. I don't think... I don't... I've heard some people say, oh, aren't you worried about exposing him to waivers? Well, I mean, no. if he was on the practice squad, somebody could sign him off. Yeah. So it's not like, you know, what's he going to do? Make three special teams blocks? And somebody's like, oh yeah. my God, I got to have him. He did play a lot on special teams. I think he had like 20 snaps or something like that on special teams. And that's what he's known for. Yeah. Too, so. yeah. Um, all right. Well, so we touched on Spence a little bit. but So I guess how, how big of a role do you think he plays this season? Maybe not right away. I would imagine he plays much right away. But. I think the first month of the season, you're going to see Graham and Curry inside a little bit. Um, and then if he, as he gets more comfortable, maybe you change that a well, little bit. So the thing is, is like defense is a little bit easier to learn than offense because there's only so many coverages. There's only so many rushes. Um, and also he has Matt Burke to kind of help him with terminology. Yeah. Uh, like if he said, oh, this is called Twizzler in in, uh, in Miami, but it's called Snickers in <laughs> in Philadelphia, you, you can kind of ease it up you know what i mean like um yeah or if something's called top gun here it's called point break here they get what you mean you get what i mean they they know what two different words mean whatever (laughs) um zach you were literally the worst uh but so my point is is like having that familiarity with a coach who's actually you know been a an authoritative figure like not yeah, just as a position coordinator, yeah. Yeah, yeah, not just a position coach, but a defensive coordinator. I think that helps. Um I think Akeem Spence, he's six foot one, three hundred and three pounds. It's a pretty good fit for a three technique and a and a wide nine front. Um I'd imagine that he could play one and three technique, which is important because the Eagles don't really they they play both. So you're going to move guys around. Fletcher Cox is going to play nose tackle, and he's going to play three technique. Jernigan's going to do the same. Um, and then Hassan and, and, and Akeem have to do the same thing. So I think they're in good, good space, like in, in good shape. I think Akeem's basically the talent level of Trayvon Hester, but has way more experience. So 
if you want to look at it that way, I think it's it's a good move. All right, so before we get into a little more fun, I um, wanted to cover two different rotations, which I think have been like the underlying storyline since and during the game, uh, and that is the running back rotation and the cornerback rotation. Which one do you want to hit first? I don't know. You're the EP. Go. I'm asking you which one to pick. I don't. I don't care. We can talk about either one. All right. Thanks for thanks for your uh, decisive. I don't know there. anything I say. You got to criticize. So it's, Jesus. Well, you just made it worse. What? Then. What? Why don't we talk about Top Gun or Point oh, Break? Oh my God. No. Yeah. All right. You're fired. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we can talk about the running backs first. So we both were confused about the amount of uh, Darren Sproles mm-hmm. that they played on Sunday. I think surprised, more like confused. But yeah, yeah. I mean. Go on. Sorry. Didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> uh, but, I don't know. The, so, the num- the numbers-wise, so, Miles Sanders and Darren Sproles had the same amount of touches, and uh, Jordan Howard had the least amount of the. I mean, Corey Clement was basically not a part of the offense. I think he played a couple snaps. Well, there's one player where he's like a fullback. Yeah, they did a couple of two-back. So, he's pretty clearly not a part of the actual, like, three-man rotation, um, which, it, like, we, we both thought maybe he would, he would still be at least part of the offense, but he's, he's clearly not. Um, but, like... I, I don't think it's going to play out the same way it did in week one, but I also didn't think it would play out that way to begin with. Like, I, I did a story on the rotation, and so Jordan Howard and Sanders only had their touches on first or second down, so Sproles was exclusively the third down back, pretty mm-hmm. much. And he didn't convert on any of his touches on that down, by the mm-hmm. way. Um, Jordan Howard didn't have any of the short yardage carries. Miles Sanders had four negative rushing plays. Mm-hmm. Um, so... They, I don't think the way they used them was maybe the best way to use their skill sets on Sunday. I um, I, the, the way they've been raving about Jordan Howard, you, it seems like they're going to play him more. I think they should. Uh, Miles Sanders, I, I, his numbers aren't good, but he still showed a lot of promising stuff. You know, mm-hmm. He had that 19-yard run, which was really good. He had a touchdown taken back by a, a holding call from Arcega Whiteside, which, I mean, it was, it was iffy, but it was probably a hold. But the point being, it was a good run. And Mike Rowe is a particular rave without even being asked about his uh, pass protection. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's done a lot better in blitz backups. And I think that's going to get him on the field more. I think it, even just based on the snaps, it's pretty clear he's the number one running back. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think they went with Sproles because he's the guy that they trust. Yeah. And the guy who knows yeah, the offense the other the two best. are new guys, yeah. Um, I did... I think they were trying to get him in rhythm, too. Um, he told me after the game that he did feel rusty until kind of the second half. And then they had that one run. They had that one drive, the, the one that ended with the Jeffrey touchdown, where they basically just ran down the field and got that offensive line going. And once they established the run, everything opened up for the offense. My biggest issue with the rotation was it didn't seem like there was any logic to the way they were rotating. At one point during a commercial break, Jordan Howard, or I think it was a TV timeout. Jordan Howard was in the puddle, and then once the TV timeout ended, they, they pulled him went, out. Yeah, I have never audibly laughed so hard in a press <laughs> box in my entire life. Well, because at that point, Howard had barely played, so he didn't get his first carry until I think it was thirteen minute mark of the second quarter. I only got two. Then he didn't get his next one until I believe the fourth quarter, actually. So. And there were two impressive runs yeah. too. So you were like, and then he had a couple more. Like he was running the ball really well, and almost like he was kind of he almost became the forgotten man, which you and I have both been saying like. He's good. He's good enough to be a part of the rotation, at least. Like, yeah, he had seven carries for forty-four yards, so he averaged seven point three yards per carry, which is I don't need to tell you, it's impressive. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, second um, analysis. <laughs> I think what they wanted to do was kind of get so Sproles is the proven guy, but he's older and he didn't have a preseason. Yeah, so, so you wanted was, to get him that going. Was his preseason in a way. And then Miles Sanders is a young guy and he hasn't played in two games, so you wanted to get him going. Jordan Howard, you know what you have in him, I think. That could be the logic. That would be the logic that yeah. I, it would make sense to me. Um, 
what I will say is I don't agree that Clement isn't going to be part of the rotation. I think they're going to switch it up for every single game. I actually think... So we'll you talk, think there will be weeks where like Sproles doesn't play that much? Yeah, pretty, pretty much. Okay. And I actually think this game is going to be one of them this upcoming. So you think Clement... Like how many snaps do you think he gets this over? I'll give you a percentage. Probably better. Uh, yeah, true. Uh... Fifteen percent. Like okay. I think, I think they so like a small like the he's the third guy in the three man. Yeah, so. they'll do a package. Like I think Sproles will play in this one, but I think he's going to be primarily a punt returner here. Well, so if Clement doesn't do, so then you'll probably just concede that he's not a part of the rotation. I guess then, right? Uh, for now, yeah, yeah, yeah until yeah. somebody gets hurt. Yeah. <laughs> well, and we'll talk about it later, and, and why I think that later on. That's what you call a tease. <laughs> uh, we talk about the Falcons a little bit. Um, uh, but. Yeah, I think Howard can have a huge game against the Falcons based on what I watched last yeah, yeah, from, yeah. from last week. But yeah, rotation wise, I I kind of buy the logic of hey, we'll do it based on game plan. But Sanders being the the constant, pretty much. Yeah, I think yeah. I think he's like you know if you do a Venn diagram of touches, he's going to be the center of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's going to be the underlying thing throughout. And Alshon Jeffrey was one of the most effective rushers technically on that on the team. So. Yeah, it's true. He thought that it was so <laughs> that, that, it kind of it kind of stinks for him. I mean, it's it's a touchdown so whatever, but like at the end of the year if you so that's going to be his receiving stats. He's just never going to have that touchdown in his career stats now. Well, I mean, I feel bad for for Carson because that doesn't ca- like yeah. he has a bonus tied to touchdowns. He didn't throw a touchdown there. Like yeah. he didn't. Uh, so you see everybody comparing the stats from week one. Dak threw four touchdowns. Carson only threw three. Yeah. So that's why the stats clearly lie. worse. Yeah, <laughs> stats lie. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, uh, all right, so the cornerbacks. Um, we talked about this a little after the game. They didn't have a great game. They nope. did. They did like a weird rotation where Rizul started. Sydney didn't. He played like intermittently, and then he started the second half. And Ronald Darby was on a pitch count, so Douglas was still playing a little bit. Maddox came in and out because he had some cramps. He didn't play well. Um, it was a, I don't know if alarming is right, but it was, a, it was week one, so you shouldn't overreact yet because we need to see how they look going forward. But um, it wasn't a problem. You know, Jim Schwartz is pretty critical of those guys. Mm-hmm. He, like, kind of, I don't know if blame is the right word, but he, he was, like, the reason why the, the pass rush wasn't doing as well is because the coverage wasn't holding up. Mm-hmm. And he, it was pr- pretty brutal honesty from him, honestly. Um, like, what, what was you, when you heard him saying all that stuff, like just openly, just I mean, it, it's trying to motivate those guys. I'm sure, but hundred percent correct. Yeah, after, yeah, after sure. watching the game yesterday, hundred yeah. percent correct. Um, because the defensive line actually got pressure, they just weren't able to finish because the, because they they'd be able to get the ball out quickly, right? Yeah, yeah the Rasul, the the touchdown to uh, McLaurin, 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 Terry yeah, McLaurin, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Rasul got beat like a drum. Like, it, it was single coverage. They sent a blitz, and McLaurin just... Like, to the safety blitz? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, they, so they, that's why there was no safety. Yeah, so they... Yeah, so... And, and Jim Schwartz brought this up. He said, everybody wants a blitz until yeah, somebody throws a Yeah, it's going over the top, yeah. Um, which is true, and I, I, I'm actually... People I, only want a blitz when it works. That's the, that's the Right. <laughs> like, I'm a fan of blitzing, but I'm also a fan of the way that Schwartz handles the blitz. Like, he, it's not, like, every single time. It's like when when a show has a really good cameo, but, it, you know, if you have one every week, it loses its specialness, yeah. you know what I mean? So, Although Jim Johnson used to blitz quite a bit. Yes. <laughs> it was different. They had different defense. That defense was stacked. Yeah, they also didn't have a wide nine where you yeah. had to stop the run yeah. the way that, that these safeties and these yeah. linebackers do. So, yeah, so they... It, Rasul one-on-one against a speed threat is never going to be a good matchup. 
but then Sidney Jones also uh, got beat deep and. Yeah, Cousins, the, on the one that uh, Case Cousins, Keenum Case uh, Keenum, overthrew him. Yeah. <laughs> Case Keenum, Kirk Cousins, all the same. Whatever. Same. <laughs> they both played for the Vikings. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. All the same. Um, <laughs> and also having to watch the Vikings yesterday, too. It's in my brain. Um, but, you know, Darby was the guy that stood out to me. Like uh, in a good way, you're saying? No. Oh, okay. uh, oh wow, really? He didn't hold up when you watched the film? No, I mean, like, his coverage was fine I'm concerned about his tackling. Like, oh yeah, he had one stop was, early that I was like, oh, was, was wow. he the one that missed on? Uh, well, Sandejo missed the worst, but was he the one that missed on the Vernon Davis? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah where he jumped over him. Or no, 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 no that was, was that, that was over Maddox. I was over Maddox. Okay. Yeah, that was bad too. Um, but <laughs> bad, tack- think, bad tackling. Bad tackling. It was bad tackling from the secondary in general, by the way. Yeah, but I think it was over Maddox. It, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Lots going on this brain. Um, but. He he had a couple of missed tackles there. He had the one near pick, which was an impressive play, um, but he dropped it. So I called him Asari Sam Samuel. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. Somebody else thought that was funny though. Some, some, um, this some one this one guy thought it was funny. This one guy thought it was funny. Um, <laughs> you only need one member. I think in your Mike audience. Kist was the one that thought that was funny. There you go. Um, <laughs> but you know he he it, the concern for me is or. Is is he gonna have to be eased in for a really long time? Because when healthy, he's their best corner, and you're not gonna get into a rhythm physically unless you're constantly out there. You know what I mean? So that's my concern. Like I think Darby played relatively well to expectations, considering he didn't have a play yeah. season or anything. But I I'm concerned about the rotation. I, I'm I'm concerned about it because it's it's not. Especially when you only have four guys. If one of those guys gets injured and it's it's not Rasul, you're screwed because, or, or, or and yeah, if it's not because Rasul can only play outside. Yeah, you know what I mean. So you're making him a safety final. Yeah, yeah I, who knows? <laughs> but I, I believe that they will look into the cornerback market before this game. I will say Orlando Scandrick's still out there, but the fact that they haven't brought him back yet doesn't really bode well for that. Not a good clear, I mean, I don't think clearly they weren't as high in them as everybody thought they might have been. Yeah, I don't think that's happening. But yeah, yeah, yeah it's. It, but I mean, it would make more sense to bring a veteran in than a young guy. I I agree. I agree. Maybe it's not him. Like, what's what's the dude's name that worked out? Bodie Calhoun. Is he a corner or a safety? Yeah, he's a corner. Well, he can play he safety. Can play both. But he he's a nickel corner. Primary, like you don't want him outside. Yeah, Whoa. yeah, my, my mic just did that too. Yeah, <laughs> um, struggles in here today. Yeah, so. Um, <laughs> But audio quality, hopefully, is good. <laughs> so, so I don't know if you were in the press conference. I made the mistake of opening Instagram, and I, I clicked. I didn't. I thought my volume was all the way down. Uh, Doug was. It was in the middle of a boring answer from Doug. I'm gonna be honest. And I clicked on somebody's story, and it, you know that the like the heart uh, thing that the, there's like the it makes that. I'm sure I do. I just this description's not very helpful. <laughs> it's well, it's like the love uh, filter on uh, Instagram, and it was played at full volume, and I like started like fumbling. Yeah, no, I saw it. I made a face. <laughs> Nobody I else reacted. Mean, I was surprised. <laughs> I think they were enchanted by the the answer that Doug was given. <laughs> All right, so we'll we'll put a bow on the the last game with this quick activity. I want to do, or I'm going to call it trend or outlier, or stuff that happened in the game and. You say if it's a trend of something that you should be either worried about or might happen going forward, or if it was just an outlier and don't read too much into it. You already talked about a few of these, but so the first Maybe. one I had was uh, Darren Sproles as the number one or number two running back. 
you have that as an outlier, probably. Right? An outlier, yeah. yeah. Why are you going to answer for me? <laughs> well, because you pretty much said that. Yeah, right? it's an outlier. And then Jordan Howard, uh, he had zero short yardage runs. Outlier. Yeah. Um, Nelson Aguilar only had two catches for eleven yards, and he wasn't really a big part of the offense. So that's an interesting one, I think. From a sense of he wasn't a big part of the, he did a lot of stuff away from the ball. Yeah, yeah but in terms of like targets, production wise, yeah, production. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think it's an outlier because yeah. I think it's closer to the middle than like a definite. Thing. Right. I think, you know, speaking now, Sean Jeffrey after the game, he's like, every game is going to be different. And I think that's why this offense is so intriguing yeah. because you really can't nail down a guy. I told people to avoid running backs in this offense most of the summer because you never know. You know what I mean? I think I, I, Deshaun had 154 yards. I still don't think he leads the team in receiving yards. Yeah, I mean, you know I, I mean? think that's I think that's still a fair prediction, but it's you, you're let that your percentage of your confidence in that is probably less. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, next one I had is Case Keenum threw for 380 yards, so just the idea of this uh, secondary being one of the worst in the NFL, basically, because <laughs> if you're giving up more than 350 yards trend. per game, that's trend. That's a trend. So you're concerned about. So do you think? Uh, how he makes a move for a, somebody in the, maybe in the safety or corner at some point this season? I don't think he'd make a move for a safety. I, I, I think yeah, they don't really value safeties. I think corner is an interesting spot. I also think you have to kind of wait. Or you can wait till Mills and uh, LeBlanc get back. Yeah, I think you also have to let Darby kind of adjust. I think that's the thing too. We'll say Julio Jones this week, and uh, for all all the crap Jalen Mills gets from this fan base, he's he was always good at the red zone. Mm-hmm. And Julio Jones, that's like where you need to shut him down. So, Darby's been good against him too. So yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. he was the one that uh, stopped him during week one last year. Actually. Yeah, he threw him outside. Yeah, he threw yeah. him out of bounds. Um, <clears throat> the defense only had one sack, so the pass rush has an issue, I guess. That's an outlier. That's I an think outlier. I think they're gonna they they showed me enough that in this that game that if they have better even a little bit better coverage, they're gonna get to the quarterback. Yeah, uh, Jason Peters being dominant. Because he had a really good week one. Yeah, he did have a He didn't have to give up a single pressure, and he played every snap. Uh, trend. Trend. So you think he's he's back? Yeah. I, I think two years removed from the the major injury is a big deal for him. All right, that's all I had, unless there's any off the top of your head. Something I'm concerned about, Nigel Bradham. Nigel Bradham. I was thinking about him. I wasn't trying to frame it, though, because... Will Nigel Bradham continue to be... Nigel Bradham struggles, yeah. Will Nigel Bradham continue to be the weak link of the defense? Uh, Trend. He he missed several tackles, didn't look that great in coverage. If he's your middle linebacker, you need more out of him. I wonder as the season moves along if it becomes more like Camus and Zach Brown than Nigel Bradham. I'm going to make a... Not to be dramatic, but I'm going to make a bold prediction. Camus Grugier-Hill will be the starting middle linebacker by midseason. So Bradham won't play much is what you're saying. Well, he will, but he just... But, like, they usually play one linebacker. More he he won't be the dime linebacker. Yeah. So he'll play, but, yeah, he'll play, like, the Camus snaps from last year. Kind of thing. Correct. Yeah. Um, all right, so, and then before we... So we did get a bunch of YouTube comments on Reed, but before we do that, I know you watched some of, the, some of the film on the Falcons, so we can look ahead a little bit, do more on our preview later this week, but what are, what are some things that stood out real quick? So speaking about outliers, right, this, is, this game was bizarre. So within the first 18 minutes of the game, the Vikings blocked a punt, got a pick on Matt Ryan, uh, stopped a kick return within the 15, and forced a fumble. Yeah. Uh, then they ran down the Falcons' throat, like, all game. All game. And they used a rotation. I mean, Dalvin Cook was great, but the uh, rookie running back that they have had a huge game, too. Um, 
you're going to be able to run on this team and run really, really well. Uh, I am. Well, you, you'd probably get at least two yards. Yeah, I'll so take it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was All right, a, I'll do that and retire. There, if, I mean, if you look at the way that the Eagles' run defense performed against the Redskins last week, it was the exact opposite. Like, this is a porous uh, Falcons defense. They looked undersized. They looked they didn't look very physical. Deion Jones got ran over, like, four times. Um, he's supposed to be their best player. Yeah, he like, is. I mean, he's, yeah. I mean, he still made plays, yeah, yeah, but yeah. he, I mean, he took on a lot of contact. Um, Kirk Cousins only threw, like, a dozen times. Yeah, for, like, 98 yards. Yeah. Uh, he was not asked to be the guy... Um, Special teams is huge, and I, I kind of wanted to ask Peterson about it, but like I felt like he would just give me a vanilla answer, so I just I passed on it. But you know, during the Chip Kelly era, this special teams unit was a weapon. Like Fit got guys to the the punter almost like weekly, and the reason why I think Darren Sproles is not going to be heavily into the running back rotation is because I think they're going to focus his efforts on punt returning because I think he will have a lot of opportunities. Um, and he is 35. Like, he can't play three different positions. <laughs> right. So you want to focus him on something. That's why I think he will be heavily focused on that. It's also another reason why I think you'll see Alex Ellis potentially get picked up again uh, to the 53 again, potentially. For this week, you're saying? Yeah, for this week. I, it wouldn't shock me. I mean, if they didn't, whatever. But uh, <laughs> Either will or they won't. Is yeah, they would basically. <laughs> there's an option. Um, but I think Jordan Howard could have a huge game. I think that this is a really good opportunity for Miles Sanders, especially in prime time. The reason why I think you use Corey Clement um, is I think you can come up with a package where he gets on a linebacker pretty easily. You know, as much as they use Darren Sproles, they didn't use him much as a receiver. And I think this is a big opportunity. I think that was part of the, the strategy. I think they really wanted to focus Jordan on... Howard had a couple catches. Right. Impressive catches, yeah. too. First, his first touch was a catch, which was like... Anytime you tweet that hit about him catching Bears fans immediately come to the mentions, it's hilarious. Well, and he really worked on on his on yeah. his hands, and he we we talked about it all throughout the offseason. They forced him to kind of be a receiving back, and I, I think that helped him out a lot. He worked a lot on the jugs machines, but I, I do think Corey Clement will get at least two or three catches in this game because I think there'll be opportunities um, from a, from a defensive perspective. The Vikings blitzed. And put pressure on Matt Ryan, like, from the jump. They got pressure early and often. That's what this team's going to need to do. The coverage was fine, but it was really the pass rush that got there. They hit Matt Ryan a lot. Um, And I think that's what the Eagles are going to need to do. They're going to have to send Malcolm Jenkins on blitzes. Uh, Look, Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley are really good wide receivers. And you've got to be mindful of that. But Devontae Freeman's fallen off a cliff as far as production. Edo Smith isn't scaring me either. Yeah, Edo had like one really good rod. But um, you can manufacture the tempo and momentum of this game with your front seven. If if you're the Eagles, that's what you have to do. You have got to force pressure. You have to get to him. I think Brandon Graham, if he's moving inside, is going to have a really good game because Chris Lindstrom's injured. They're, uh, I believe he's the right guard, um, and so and their first round pick. So this is an opportunity for this Eagles team to create pressure. The Falcons line isn't very good anyway. Uh, Austin Hooper, their tight end's not very good. So I don't think you really need to focus too heavily on that. If he's the guy beating you, then you're probably winning the game. Um, 
And then, you know, their corner, their DBs are not good. So you can you should be able to throw on them. I mean, realistically. So the week started out that it was like a pick 'em, and now the Eagles are one and a half point favorites on the road. Oh, well, the last time I checked it was one, so they've gone yeah. up. Um, I don't know if this is the most I've been because at Novacare Complex doesn't let you go on the betting website, so I had, to go to, yeah. I had to go to some other website. But the point being, like clearly people are souring on the Falcons after that week one performance. They are strangely constructed. Like they didn't really do that much this offseason. Yeah, I mean they took care of their own. They re-signed yeah. Grady Jarrett, um, Julio, Julio, and and what I'll say is this: if you were counting on the Vikings game being the template for the Falcon season, you're completely fooling yourself. Uh, like, that, I think they're going to be better, you're saying? Oh, my God. The yeah. Falcons are a good team. The Vikings are a really good team. Eagles fans are going to be Defensively, really they are, at least, yeah. Yeah, but... Because Kirk, I'm not huge on still. Yeah, but. I'm not either, but, you know, they do they have, 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 they have and weapons. They have Dalvin Cook, yeah. Yeah. Healthy Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook. Healthy Dalvin awesome. Cook. Awesome. Um, but what I'll say is this. I think the Falcons are good. They were on the road... Week one, there's always a weird performance in week one by three or four teams that you expect to be good. I think they bounce back from this. That said, coming into this game, the Falcons need this win more than the Eagles do. Almost certainly. Yeah. Because if they fall yeah, to 0-2. 0-2 is tough. Especially when you have the Saints in your division. Um, and so, I mean, I think this is going to be a really tough matchup. Um, we'll give our predictions later in the week, but when we fully preview the game on Friday, but... Don't sleep on them. Like, think about this. Again, blocked punt, interception, kick return stop within the 15-yard line, and a forced fumble within the first 18 minutes. That's not going to happen on a weekly basis. Uh, especially <laughs> against pretty insane if it did. <laughs> especially against this Eagles team who has struggled to create turnovers yeah. over the last couple of years. And didn't create any last week. So my strategy... Yeah, correct. My strategy... I'm using Brandon Grant in the middle, like on third down. Like, yeah, well, I, I think I, they're going to. Yeah. Because I think you can trust Vinny Curry to get pressure. You have to let Josh Sweat develop. Josh Sweat uh, drew a holding call. Um, like, all the defensive ends had moments last yeah. week. Uh, Brandon Graham graded out pretty well on pro football focus. He he broke up a screen. He had like six pressures, I think. He broke up a screen to uh, Vernon Davis that was super impressive for a four-yard loss. Yeah, Like, he looked like... A Brandon Graham, no, he, 25. He had, that's like last year at this time. I was questioning whether he still had it because he looked a little slower, and it was clearly his ankle was bothering him. Yeah. And I'll, Derek Barnett looked pretty good too. Yes, he got he got some he bull rushed the heck out of Donald yeah. Penn. Um and I think he'll have opportunities in this game. I, I I think, but I think that right tackle situation is going to be really interesting for the Falcons. So look for Brandon Graham to have take, a big game. Yeah, he's he's going to make some money. <laughs> Even though he, he already is making money. All right, we'll close out with uh, some YouTube comments. We got a bunch this week. Let's Keep them it. coming. Um, all right, we got Marie DeBooth, who's a frequent commenter on our YouTube videos, and we appreciate it. She said, totally took me up by surprise how many snaps Sproles had today. Took us by surprise, too. And there's a guy that responded and said, me too, bro. Carlos Turner. Mm. <laughs> um, Carlos, Carlos Turner. Smith and Wesson says, you could tell they were resting the first half, but man, give Carson the credit he deserves for that comeback. Now we gave him credit. Didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> I disagree with you, Smith. Um, Carlos Turner, I want Jordan Howard to be our bell cow. Just jumping over Miles Sanders in the depth chart. 
Look, I think Miles made some rookie mistakes. Yeah, of course, he did. Uh, his I first think, game. And, and I spoke to Jordan Howard after the game about it, and Jordan Howard said, you know, you've got to live to see the next play. You know, you've got to know that every you're, those things are going to happen, but you've got to bounce back. And I think Miles Sanders will bounce back. Yeah. Especially in this game, because Falcons can't <laughs> stop the run. <laughs> All right, this guy, Harlem Cowboy, wrote something I don't really understand, but it's, it basically declares that Dak Prescott's going to be MVP, I guess. Um, <laughs> good for him. Uh, the Dallas right. offense? Thanks. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> the rumors are true. We do really hate each other. <laughs> People are talking. All right. <laughs> uh, okay, I don't need to read that one. All right. <laughs> Peter Poet says more than half the NFL teams have a winless season so far in 2019. That's true because there's a tie. The, yeah. The, Somebody, Card- the Cardinals and the Lions, the worst game. I meant to bring I mean, this was a good game, I guess. I meant to bring this up to you, but NBC did a graphic of undefeated teams and put the Lions and the Cardinals Except on there. Technically they're un- undefeated. It, it's correct, but it's also <laughs> it's <windless. hilarious>. Yeah. <laughs> um and then a guy with a Redskins uh, logo named Jimon Harried says, "Let's be honest, y'all got lucky." Is he talking about the Eagles or you and me? <laughs> I mean, we do have great jobs, so... <laughs> yeah, we are lucky guys, and there's a lot of angry Eagles fans responding to them that I'm not going to read. But, uh, but thanks for commenting, guys. Uh, keep that up. Uh, tweet us questions. I'm at Zach Blatt, Z-A-C-K. He's at Mike underscore E underscore K, which doesn't blow off the tongue, but you got to say it like that. <laughs> Worst Twitter handle in the world, and I love it. <laughs> and I love it. Wait, so is the other guy, is he Mike underscore K? I don't know. I haven't, I haven't really thought into it. I really have never so looked... So do you need the E? Well, I can't. So I, I got the Twitter handle like in two thousand nine, like ten be- years ago. Congrats! Yeah, thanks. <laughs> before before I was like a reporter, a reporter, right. and so like I got my blue check mark with it. And if you switch the, oh, the that, handle, yeah, uh, then it you you need to talk to Twitter about that. Yeah, <laughs> Twitter hit us up. I know Jack Dorsey listens to our podcast. <laughs> 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 anyway, but yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, write us some reviews. Actually, there was a review. So, I think I remember the guy's name. His name was Julius uh, Baynard. He uh, left a, a review, a five-star review, which we appreciate. And he he put a prediction for the Falcons game, but he met, I think I'm pretty sure he meant for the Redskins game. And he got this almost the score almost exactly right. And he got uh, he said Deshaun Jackson gets over 150 yards and two touchdowns. Like that dude deserves like yeah, some, a pizza All party day. maybe. I don't know. What? <laughs> You're open to it? Zach Rosenblatt will show up at your home. He will not pay for the pizza your party. Home. You'll have to reimburse related him. related to this whole thing. I'm just going to show yeah. up at your guy's house. You have to reimburse him for the mileage, but he will show up. <laughs> so, Julia, shout out to you. You're the real MVP. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, we'll talk to you later in the week. Deuce.